Father. Lord, we thank you for your presence right now, Lord. Holy Spirit, come into this place. We welcome you. We receive you right now. Do only what you can do in this moment. I thank you for utterance for myself, Lord. And I thank you that people are leaving forever changed out of this house today, Lord. Lord, we praise you. We worship you. Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's in that name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Well, the title of today's message is going to be The Heart of Obedience. It's one of them shout-me-down messages, you know. Anytime you start talking about obedience, people are like, oh, no. What's he going to talk about? So The Heart of of obedience. And I just wanted to open with Isaiah 1, uh, looking at verses 18 and 19. It says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. Praise the Lord. You know, it, the Lord just laid it on my heart. Um, I've just been, I, probably for six months now, I knew this was a message that got put in my heart, and I think I was actually talking to Brother Jason Green back in July that the Lord was dealing with me around the topic of obedience. I knew it was some, it was coming strong enough. Brother Hank, how you doing, sir? Uh, just sorry, I'm sorry, but the word came uh, through so strong that I, I knew I was going to talk to somebody about it, so here I am to, to talk to you about it, but the heart of obedience, the willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land. Everybody wants to eat the good of the land, right? Everybody gets excited about the good of the land, the blessing of the Lord, but sometimes we cringe at that willing and obedient statement, right? You know, when you look at that in the Hebrew, it says to submit and obey. In the very fabric of our nation, who we are, all of us are Americans, or I'm assuming all of us are Americans sitting in here today. It just, it's just been bred in us that we're free. We get to do what we want to do. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I am a free man, and I'm going to do it how I want to do it, when I want to do it, it's, I'm going to be free. And it's just part of our culture. So when we start talking about this, this topic of obedience, it immediately just kind of, it, it makes our flesh cringe. And I think especially in this country, in this nation, where we just, we're just taught that nobody's going to tell us what to do. Praise the Lord. If you'll throw that slide up really quick, Melanie, I just want to look at something. Because talking about our nation right now, That's something I looked up, and that's the use of the word obedience over time. And look at that drastic decline. Now, it's coming up a little bit. That's exciting to see. But look at that drastic decrease in this word obedience. Do you think that maybe the things we're seeing in our nation right now, the, the, the craziness that is going on in the world might be tied that that has been taken out of our culture, that that has been removed and that we, we, there's a generation right now that I think has no idea truly what that word means. They were never taught. They were never held accountable. And I think we're living in a production of that. 
but God. And then I'll leave it right there. But God. So praise the Lord. Well, looking at this uh, word obedience, I do want, I want to give a definition, a couple definitions really quick. So get you thinking while, while I'm speaking here. But when the word obedience or obey is used in the Bible, if it's translated in Greek, the definition is to hearken submissively. So to listen submissively. Then the Hebrew definition is to hear intelligently. So when you see just in Isaiah, the willing and obedient, the ones who submit and hear intelligently. And all it's talking about is you hear and there's a causation that happens. There's an action that is produced once you hear. And that is the definition for the word obedience. And before I really get to going, I was, I was trying to figure out, ask the Lord while we were over there worshiping to, to help me place what I'm about to say in the message. And I'm, I feel like I need to put it right here. The word obedience, as I'm speaking right now, as we, be, as we continue to talk through obedience to God, the enemy will come in, try to come in. He'll try to come in. And he's going to try to browbeat you right now. It's a device he uses. He'll attack you with thoughts about, oh, you missed it. You were disobedient. You, he will put an attack on your mind. I just want to let you know right now, there is no condemnation here. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. So as you listen to me talk today, I just want to make sure you understand that if you are a child of God and you are in Christ, we've all missed it. We've all been disobedient. Just be quick to repent. Be quick to turn around. Be quick to say, Lord, I'm sorry, and get moving again. And be immediate. So I just want to make sure that that lands right there because I know oftentimes people get in, when you start talking about obedience, there, there, there's a, a chance to get into some legalism, some do's and don'ts and things like that. And then the enemy will always be quick to tell you, you didn't do this. You didn't do this. You didn't do this. You were, you know, that disqualifies you from any of the blessings of God. So I just want to make sure that that is abundantly clear. There is no condemnation. If you are a child of God, if you are in Christ Jesus right now, there is no condemnation right now. So I just want to make sure that I, I land that and I say that as we talk through this heart of obedience. So there's three groups. Uh, as I was studying this, I was just thinking about the three groups that pretty much everyone is going to fall into. So that first group is going to be the non-believer or the lukewarm believer. And what you see with this group is either they don't believe, so they don't, you know, they don't seek the Lord at all, or they're a lukewarm believer and they don't live a lifestyle of seeking the Lord. They don't check in with the Lord, how they're living their life, the things they're doing. They are just not seeking the Lord. And so that's your first group. And I just want to say about this group this is usually a group that they're going to live life the way they want to live it. But as soon as something goes wrong, as soon as a trial or tribulation hit, they are so quick to turn around and go, why, God? Why? And again, no condemnation here. So I don't want anybody here, but they're, they're very quick to go, why, God? Why? And they blame God, right? And I'm just, I, I, I look and I'm going, well, you never saw his provision, you never saw his word, you never saw anything from him until now, until something goes wrong. Then you turn around and you say, why God? But if you find yourself in that place, if I'm talking to somebody at home and you find yourself in that place this morning, 
I'm going to tell you there's an abundance of mercy that will be over your life. Because now that you've turned around and you've looked at God, if you're willing, he will show you a way out. He will show you a path. You have to keep seeking him. So I just want to say that there is an abundance of mercy. Hesed, that word in Hebrew, his loving kindness. It will overtake you. It will help you find a way out. It will deliver you from grief. It will deliver you from trouble. He will make a way. He has already made a way. Let me say it that way. There has already been a way made, and he will show you how to get there. So I just want to say that this morning. So that, that's the first group, and this group's a little dangerous to be in. So let's look at Isaiah 55. I've got the uh, new Bible syndrome here. My pages are sticking together. Only thing. I miss my highlights, too. You guys ever think that you get a new Bible? You like miss your old Bible? Like, Man, I had all this highlighted. I got to re-highlight it again. I got to recircle some stuff. Anyway, pages stick together. So Isaiah 55, and let's look at verse 8 and 9. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways Sorry, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, that's the problem when we try to do everything through our intellect, through our faculties. is because if we seek the Lord, he's got better ways. He's got higher thoughts. He's got better plans. And he will lead you to a place of good and plenty. He will leave you, lead you to the, the land of uh, milk and honey where it overflows. But if you seek him, his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher than ours. So he thinks at a higher level. And his ways are at a higher level than what we can do in our natural abilities. And that's why it's so that if you find yourself in that first group, that's why it's so dangerous to be in that group. It's because through your ways it'll usually always turn out to be a way of destruction because normally if we yield to our flesh, it's a way of selfishness. It's a way of feeding us. It's a way of always looking at ourselves and meeting our needs. And so his thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. Now I want us to look at 1 Corinthians 2. Sam, if you can get, the, get it up there faster than I can turn to it. 1 Corinthians 2. And nine. She got it. All right. Thank you, Melanie. If you look at 1 Corinthians 2 and 9, because when we look at that Isaiah uh, 55, it kind of starts leading us into the second group that people tend to find themselves in. There's another group that will look at Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, and they'll say, well, the Lord's ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So what's the use? I can never think like the Lord. I can never uh, have plans like the Lord. I, I, I can't attain to that because the scripture's been twisted many times and been preached many different ways to twist that scripture just to say, you know, you'll, ne you'll never be able to do or think or know the thoughts of God. Let's just say it that way. And so I did want to, I, I wanted to bring up the, the first Corinthians 2 and 9 because it says, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them 
that love him. So then there's another scripture, that one, right? So it's, it's still kind of the, the, if you can go back to verse 9 really quick, Melanie, sorry. But if you, can, if you can look at that, you can also see that the Lord has plans and he, he has thoughts and he has things that, that we can't even dream of. It, it, he's able to do abundantly more than we could ask or think. And that's who he is. And a lot of people like to stop at this verse, that same group too. They're going to stop right here again. And they're going to say, well, I can't figure it out. It's not going to enter into my heart. I have no idea what God's going to do. So K Sarah Sarah, there is a sovereign God. So I'm going to get into the theology really quick. There is a sovereign God. And yes, our God is sovereign. But in his sovereignty, he chose to work with man in this earth to produce his kingdom. So he is a sovereign God, but they look at it and they say, he's sovereign. He's going to do what he wants to do no matter what I do. And so it becomes this no-fault Christianity, no-participation Christianity. Why should if God's going to do everything he's going to do anyway? And God's will will be accomplished. I'll say that, but you can be a partner in it. So I just want to make sure you know that. You can be a partner in the will of God. You just got to link up and you got to join up because he's looking for somebody to use him. You know, he said to the prophet Isaiah, uh, he's like, I need to, I, I, I'm looking for somebody to send. And Isaiah raises and he said, he said, here I am, Lord, send me, send me. And that should be the cry of all our hearts. Here I am, Lord, send me. Cause he's looking to and fro for somebody's heart that is perfected toward him. So he can show himself mightily. Here I am, Lord, send me. I know there's a lot of people at Freedom Word raising their hand right now going, here I am, Lord, send us. But a lot of people want to stop at that verse nine they want to believe that theology that I have nothing to do with this. Can we go on to verse 10 now? You always have to read verse 10 with verse 9. If you don't, you're going to get that messed up theology. And it says, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. If I'm talking to you and you're in group two right now, I just want to say, Holy Spirit will show you and tell you everything that you need to know. That's why we welcome him into our services. That's why we say, Holy Spirit, come in here. We receive you. Only he can do the things he can do. But if we yield to him, he'll do them through us. And he will reveal his higher thoughts, his plans, his purposes and callings will all be revealed through Holy Spirit. So I want to make sure that you guys saw that because that's group two. It's a God is sovereign. It's a, I think Pastor always says it's a Doris Day. I'll try to hit all my generations that I'm preaching to today. It's a Doris Day, uh, I guess, the doctrine, religion, where it's K Sarah. Whatever will be, will be. Now, there's another twisting, too, that I want to make sure, because this is going to hit more of our group, our word of faith, our Pentecostal group. But that's that hyper grace message that's kind of sprung up and gotten really big here lately. So the grace of God covers everything. So again, his grace is sufficient, so it does not matter what I do. And don't get me wrong, his grace is sufficient, but there's this hyper grace message that goes around in the circles that we kind of run around in. And some preachers I used to listen to, I quit listening to because they've gotten on that train. And it's, it's the, doesn't matter, Jesus has given the grace for you to go off and do whatever you want to do. Does not matter. So I just want to say that's group two. So if you find yourself in group two, I think you're also in danger. I'll put it that way. Group three. It's more, group three is going to be more 
our people, our, our faith-filled believers, our spirit-filled believers. You know, we like to come in, we like to shout, we, we believe the Lord. We come in full of faith and say, everything I see in your word, Lord, I believe it. I believe in the blessing, I believe in the healing, I believe in the prosperity, because your word says, I'm going to shout it down, I'm going to dance, I'm going to run, and I'm going to jump, and I'm going to have me a good time, because I believe it, I see it in the word, I'm full of faith, and I see it and I believe it. But then when it really comes down to it, when the Lord gives you a word, he gives you and instruction, it's hard for you to move. You get back into the natural, and you start using your eyes again, you start using the senses again, and going, Lord, I don't see it, I don't see, if I take this step of obedience right now, Lord, I'm going to look like a fool, I'm going to look like an idiot, what are people going to think about me right now, Lord? I believe you, Lord, I believe all, all that your word says, but you want me to what? You want me to go where? You want me to do what? You want me to say that to who? And so there's this group three, or this third group of people that I think a lot of people that run around in our struggles, not y'all. Y'all are group four. Y'all are the perfect Christians. I know this. Y'all are fully obedient to the Lord. I know that. Y'all all fall in group four. I get that. But there's this third group of people that we shout about the blessing. We shout about the provision of God and all that comes with believing in Christ Jesus and everything that Jesus accomplished. But when it comes down to it and the Lord needs us to do something we, we, we step back. But we're not, those, we're not those that draw back, right? We're not. And so again, I don't want anybody to feel condemnation right now. I just believe that the Lord has this word on my heart because I do believe there's, there's some sitting in here and there's some watching online right now that the Lord is prompting you to do something right now. He's been prompting you to do something right now. And it's time to move. But I'm getting way ahead of myself. I think I just preached to the end by saying that. But that's okay. We'll come back to that. But I just want to say, group three, I know I find myself in group three a lot. So the Lord has asked me to do stuff. And, you know, it's sometimes it's like, mm, Lord, I don't know if I can do it. So let's look at uh, James 2 really quick. Y'all doing okay out there? It's quiet in this Presbyterian church today, I'm just saying. So I'm just making sure you're all okay. All right, so James 2. And it's verses 14 through 26. Thank you, Lord. So, James 2 talks about us faith people. It speaks directly to us faith people. And we'll just read verse, verse 14. It says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? So I want to stop right there because pastor's done a really good job in previous uh, meetings and services that we've been in to make sure we know that word works is just a corresponding action. Our faith should produce a corresponding action, but that's obedience, right? That's obedience. So skip down to verse, let's see, 26 for Tom's sake. It says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. You can never separate faith from obedience. It will not 
work. The two always have to operate in sync together. So your faith will never operate in its fullness without obedience. And then vice versa, obedience will never accomplish all that it's set to accomplish if you have no faith with it. Thank you. That's a good place to amen. That's an amen place. So let me say it again. These two have to be joined together, working together. You cannot separate them or you will never get the fullness of everything that the Lord is trying to accomplish through you. Obedience has to be with faith. There has to be a corresponding action. When you say you believe something, you see something in the word and you shout it down and you get excited about something, then there has to be a corresponding action. And a lot of times I will say, that's just a confession. That's it's come, the word's coming out of your mouth. So a lot of times that is a corresponding action. But there's going to be many times it needs to create some movement in your life. It needs to create some change or it needs to create uh, a, a heading toward a destination that the Lord is showing you. And then vice versa. You can have all the obedience that you want to. You can check all the religious checklists that you want to. If you have no faith, you will never accomplish everything that you're supposed to accomplish. You know, you can look at it. The word tells us uh, not to forsake the assembly of ourselves, right? It tells us to go to church, right? You know, if you come to church, you're doing something obedient, right? You're checking your checklist then. It's, I came to church. I'm being obedient to God. But if you come without faith... If you come without faith, what is it profiting? What is it profiting? Your faith is needed every time you walk in this building. My faith is needed every time I'm walking in this building to come into this church house and say, Lord, I am fully expectant. You guys want to know what my prayer is every time I walk in this building? Lord, I am fully expectant coming to receive all that you have for me, but even more importantly, Lord, I am fully expecting to come and give all that you require of me. And I'm telling you what, man, if you're coming in these doors just laissez faire, just que sera, sera again, whatever will be, will be, man, you're missing it. You're missing it if that's the way you're coming in. We need you to come in fully expecting. And I believe that this, this house has that because the presence of the Lord meets us here every time we meet. And it's so th- strong. It is tangible in this house. Man, if y'all haven't, if you've been watching online or if it's your first time here, go back and watch some of these testimonies. We've had so many testimonies over the last few weeks, months, in, the, in this year of people being set free, of people being healed, of financial miracles happening in people's life, that only happens when you come into this house, join together in faith, and there's a corporate anointing that happens. And man, we get fed and we get laid out, for lack of a better word. I like getting laid out around here. Praise the Lord. But you've got to come to church. And see, that's where the obedience and faith comes together. Yeah, you've got to be obedient to God's word. I've got to come to church because that's what he told me to do. But man, I've got to bring my faith or it's just not going to produce all that he intends for it to produce. Amen? Amen. All right. So we've talked about the three groups of people. So now I, just, I have five topics that I want to look at. And these are in no particular order. Yeah, give me that one. Sorry, it's, it's got ice in it. Sorry, camera people. I know you're mad at me right now. And so I just want to talk about what are we, be, what are we to be obedient to? And so the first topic, and again, in no particular order, obedience and finances and giving. I'm just going to knock this out at the beginning. 
Because we talk about money a lot around here. <laughs> oh, come on, y'all can laugh. You know, we talk about money a lot around here. And I'm going to tell you what, that turns a lot of people off. It does. There are people that have come in these doors, they get turned off about how much we preach on finances, how much we preach on prosperity. But can I just present to you that it is the second most discussed topic in the Bible. There are over 2,000 verses on money and possessions. It's only second to love and God. That's, that's the first topic. But then money is the second most talked about topic. 30% of the parables that Jesus told, the 39 parables that Jesus told, 30% of those were regarding money and possessions. And people get offended. People don't want anything to do with it. They don't want to hear about it. And I get it. There's been, there's been men and women in our circles and the churches that we like to watch, and they've taken advantage of things. They have. But you know what? Don't, that, don't, don't let that stop you. Don't let that stop you from the truth. They'll answer for that. Don't worry about it. They'll answer for it. That's between them and God. So don't worry about that piece. But you can't get offended over, over the money thing. And I'm going to tell you why. I call it the money test. If you can pass the money test, if money does not have a hold on you, you can pass any trial, any tribulation, any test that you need to walk through. It is the strongest pull. You look at it in the world, what is everybody going after? They're seeking money. Jesus told us you can't serve mammon and God at the same time. you got to choose one. So I choose God, then I'm going to let money serve me. So don't be scared to talk about money. And I, I, I just, we're going to talk about money. It, it's the gospel, and people call it the prosperity gospel. It's the gospel. It's the full gospel. It's the full gospel. So there has to be an obedience factor in, in money. And I'm telling you, I, I strongly believe this. The money test, you pass that test. The Lord can trust you with anything at that point because it's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. That's all it is. If you can't let go of what the Lord has placed in your hand, because it's all his anyway. It's all his. That money you have in your hand, that big house you live in, that car you drive, it's all his. It's all his. So if you cannot open your hand and let that go and realize that he gave it to you anyway, he blessed you with it anyway, so all your job is to do is to steward it and give it to where he wants you to give it to, that's all it is. And then, oh, by the way, we get to enjoy the blessing of it because I'm telling you what, if he finds a place he can pour out, man, he's going to pour out. And he's going to pour out. And it's okay. You're a child of God. Just like I'm an earthly father, man, I have a, my daughter's name's Honor. My son's name's Abel. Most of you guys know that. I want the best for them. You think I'm not going to pour out over them? Our heavenly father is the exact same way. He wants to pour out. But, man, he's not going to pour it where somebody's hoarding it. He's going to pour it where they have their arms open and say, Lord, where, you, where do you need me to disperse this? Where's it need to go? It costs money to get, the word, to get the word to the far ends of the earth. It costs money. Let's just be real. So don't let finances stop you. If you go to a church, you know, I was talking about with Nick uh, this morning. He was talking about there's a very, um, I'm not going to name any names, but there's a preacher out there. He said, if you go to a church and they, you hear the word prosperity, get up and walk out. Get up and walk out. I'm like, man, what a disservice to the people. We're going to get that. We're at, people are going to get to heaven. Believers are going to get to heaven. And they're going to be like, I could have had what? I could have experienced what? You know, when the Lord's wiping away tears that it talks about in Revelation at the end, I don't believe that's going to be a condemnation session of you should have did this, you should have did that. 
I think it's really going to be a, a, a real of our life. And he's going to show you every opportunity you had to be, obey and what it could have produced and what you could have been if you would have obeyed God. I think that's where the tears come in because people realize, my, 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 Lord, that whole time, that, that thing I, the, those things I chose not to hear, not to be obedient, not to listen in, I shut it off. And I could have had what? I could have been what? I could have did what for your kingdom? I think that's where the tears are going to have to be wiped away. Thank you, Lord. So that's obedience and finances. Nobody got up and walked out. So, Nick, I guess the, the preacher man did, didn't get to him. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. Obedience to the word. Let's look at Proverbs 4. 20 and 22. And, Melanie, if you don't mind, I'm just going to quit turning. I'm going to start looking back. I hope that's okay. No pressure. All right. My son, attend to my words. Incline thy ears unto my sayings. Hold it right there. Attend to my words. You know that word attend, again, means to hearken. All it is is hearken. It's the same word for obey. It just means to hearken to my words. Incline thy ear to my sayings. Verse 21. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. 22. For they are life unto those that find them and health or medicine to all their flesh. You ever notice that? There's always a blessing attached to when the Lord's asking for obedience. When he's asking for you to, to do something, there's always a blessing attached to it. He's just saying, I just need you to attend to my word. I need you to hear my word. I need you to hearken to my word. And I need there to be a causation of action that is produced when you hear my words. But attend to my words. Let's go to Joshua 1.8 really quick. Because these verses work together. So you got to keep them in the midst of your heart. You've got to keep them in your heart. And then Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, then, you see that cause and effect again? Hey, this is your part. Again, anybody that's into that no fault, I have no responsibility religion, there's a part for us. So that was our part. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Can you go back to verse 8 really quick, Melanie? Attend to my words. Keep them in the midst of my or of your heart. Why is that so important? Because out of the mouth, I mean, out of the heart, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I'm going to get that right here in a second. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus said that. And so that's why it's so important that you attend to his word and you get it in the midst of your heart. Because that's what's going to come out of your mouth. When the rubber meets the road, when the rubber meets the road, and there's a trial, there's a tribulation, and there's a, I'll just, for lack of a better term, an OMG moment. What's coming out of your mouth? Is it going to be the word of God, or is it going to be cursing? You know, I've heard pastor preach about uh, there was some flight uh, years ago uh, that went down, and they found the black box uh, from that flight, and I think everybody died on board. It was, it was a crash, and 
the last thing that those pilots were saying were just explicitives, just cussing and cursing because that's what they had in their heart. They had cursing in their heart versus what happens when rubber meets the road. And like Jason was saying, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I am strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You got to have a little in the storehouse because that's what needs to come out when the rubber meets the road. But we have to be obedient to the word. We have to be obedient to be in the word, and then we have to be obedient to do what the word says. James also said that we got to be doers of the word. Lastly, just obedience to the word. I wanted to look at this scripture, John 14. And we'll look at verse 21 first. If you have a red letter Bible, you're going to find that this is in red letters, which means this is our master. This is our Lord talking. It says, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So that's Jesus talking. So if you look in John 1, what does it tell you? It says Jesus was the word made flesh. So that's the word telling you to obey the word, right? And he says, if you love me. And that's the test right there. That, that's where the hyper grace message just gets squashed. If you love me, you keep my commandments. He never said, if you love me, go out and do whatever you want to because my grace has taken care of that. Never said it. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Can we look at, uh, what verse is it? 23 through 24, sorry. You can move on to that. Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So again, you've got causation. You've got cause and effect. And then verse 23 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, oh, sorry, verse 24. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. If you love the Lord Jesus, you have to obey. You have to keep his commandment. And I love that, that the word made flesh. The word tells us to obey the word. And that's how we show that we love him. Do you know, uh, I think it's in Samuel. Uh, Brother Doug can probably find it or tell me. But it says that the Lord would rather have obedience over sacrifice. He would rather have obedience over sacrifice. And I want you to think about that. When we come in here, we talk a lot about praise being the sacrifice of our lips. Think about that. He'd rather have your obedience then you'll shout me down good time coming in here. Don't get me wrong. We want to have a shout me down good time. I'm not taking anything away from praise, Nick. Don't throw anything at me. But the Lord says, I would rather have your obedience than a sacrifice. So I always translate. It hit me when I got revelation. Man, Lord, because I'm the guy on this front row jumping around, dancing, hopping, screaming, yelling, having a good time in the Lord. I'm that guy, so it really hit me when, it's, when I realized the Lord would rather have my obedience than me do that display. 
And that's very, very important, I think. So I didn't even plan on saying that today, so I think somebody needed to hear that this morning. Praise the Lord. So that is obedience to the word. You have to be obedient to be in the word, and you have to be obedient to do what the word says. Number three, obedience to prayer and communion. And when I say the word communion this morning, I do not mean when we open up the juice and do the crowd. I'm not talking about the act of communion. I'm talking about communing with the Lord, getting to know the Lord. And the best way to do that is obviously get to know him through his word. His word will tell you exactly who he is. So that's a great resource. But you have this prayer life that you can have with the Lord. And a lot of people look at prayer and they think it's a one-way street. They think it's just us talking to God. Man, if you will learn how to pray, the Lord will speak to you in so many ways. And that's when the fun starts. That's when the direction really starts happening. He starts really leading you to obey his word through things that he starts telling you when you're communing with him in prayer. So I did just want to hit on this because I'm not going to spend a long time on here. It's a very, very important subject. I don't want to take any away by the time that I'm going to allot to this. It's a very important subject. But Pastor has been teaching on, I think it's seven Wednesdays now, maybe six. He's been doing a fantastic job teaching on the subject of prayer. So if you haven't been with us or you're watching at home, there's a whole Wednesday series going on right now where he's been teaching on prayer. And he's been doing a fantastic job. But I did want to say this to being obedient in prayer. Can we look at uh, John 16? And we're going to look at verses 7 through 14. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. So this is Jesus talking. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Verse 8 says, and when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Verse 9, of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and ye see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you. I'm going to pause right there. If you do not have that underlined in your Bible, I would highly recommend highlight, underline. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Verse 13. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. If you're not spirit-filled, I highly recommend it. There's things only Holy Spirit can do. And if you don't know him, I, there's this book. And I know I'm going to say the, 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 the minister's name, the evangelist's name, it's Benny Hinn. Uh, some people are like, oh, Benny Hinn. He wrote a book. It's called Good Morning Holy Spirit. If you have not read it, I highly suggest it. It, will, it changed my world. It changed, changed my life and how I looked at Holy Spirit, how I relate to Holy Spirit, but the functions of Holy Spirit and what he does in our lives. But there's a couple of things I just wanted you to notice that his function, Holy Spirit's function to us. So we, when we get in our prayer closet, 
And yes, when we pray in tongues, if you begin to pray, you will also have the ability to listen. And the Holy Spirit will speak. He will reveal and he will show. Amen. I'm telling you, he's in the throne room. He's listening to the Father and to the Son. He's listening to everything that they're saying right now. And then he brings it back to you. Man, what an honor and what a privilege we have on this earth. What an he had stood I feel the Holy Spirit right now. What an honor and a privilege we have to commune with the Spirit of God. Just as much God as God the Father, just as much God as God the Son. God the Spirit. What an awesome privilege we have to commune with Him. And He takes things from the throne room and He gives it to you. And He says, now go do it in the earth. Go. Go do it in the earth. Time's ticking. Time's ticking right now. Go do it in the earth. We are in the final days. And if you hear from him and you're obedient, man, I'm going to tell you, you're going to walk in some blessing. Because it's just like the finances thing that I talked about. When he pours out and there's somebody he sees that is pour, he's pouring out into and they're stewarding and they're obeying, doing what he has asked them to do, whoo, you're going to start getting a lot poured out. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What an awesome privilege to be a partner with the creator of this earth, to be a partner. And he sent his spirit to us that if we receive him, there is this special relationship that we get to have with the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, I didn't plan on spending this much time here, but get that book, Good Morning Holy Spirit. I can't recommend it highly enough. Get the book, Good Morning Holy Spirit. I promise you, if you have not read it, it's going to change how you look at Holy Spirit. And how you relate to Holy Spirit. And it's so funny because the title, Good Morning, Holy Spirit, is the first thing Benny Hinn says every single morning. Good morning, Holy Spirit. He wakes up. He says the first thing that comes out is, good morning, Holy Spirit. And then he starts talking to him. What are we doing today? What you got for me today? Man, I'm telling you, there's a relationship. I don't know if everybody knows that. And I feel like the Lord is having me kind of stand right here right now. I don't know if everybody knows about this relationship right now. The relationship that you wake up, the God of this universe, and you say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning. What are we doing today, Lord? What do you need from me today, Lord? What are you pouring out to me? Where do you want me to be in your word? What do you need me to pray today? Pastor's been preaching that on Wednesday night. There are prayer assignments that the Lord is just looking to hand out to people, to partner with people, so they pray so his will be done on this earth. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's how it happens. We have to pray his will into the earth. And that's why that, that God is sovereign and whatever will be, will be where God's just up there with his floss waters, pastor likes to say, and he's just looking for somebody to hit. That's why none of that works. God is a good God. He is a loving God. And if you don't know him like this this morning, he is with open arms right now speaking to somebody under my voice. I don't know if they're in here. I don't know if they're at home. He is speaking to somebody right now. I want this relationship with you. Just wake up every morning and say, good morning, Holy Spirit. What are we doing? What are we doing today? That was that North Carolina grammar coming out. What are we doing today? Number four. And I know I'm, I'm running out of time, so I'll start trying to, to make it a little bit quicker. Uh, the obedience of Abraham. I wanted to talk about this. I, Abraham is uh, out of everyone in the Bible next to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Abraham is, man, he's my hero. Man, it's just like if you look at Hebrews 11, he, 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 he's my boy. 
I, I love Abraham. Uh, you know, Alice and I, we, um, we identified with Abraham and Sarah and their fate to have a child. Uh, we, we went through several years of uh, infertility and not being able to have a child. Um, failed IVFs, multiple miscarriages, uh, just a lot. But I'm going to tell you what, the word works. The word works. But we found Abraham and we found Sarah. Abraham being 100 years old and Sarah being 90 years old. And the Lord says, I'm going to bring a son through you. You're going to name him Isaac. He's going to bring descendants. That's going to be the start of the descendants that will come through you that number the sands on the shore and the stars in the sky. Abraham staggered not, is what Romans 4 tells us. He staggered not at the promise of God, but being full of faith and giving God glory. He counted him. He counted him faithful who promised. He counted him faithful who promised. So, let me get to Abraham. Genesis 12. We'll start in verse 1. There's three, three areas of Abraham's life that I just want to look at really quick. Because I think Abraham, if, if you will go, if you'll write this down, anybody that cares about what I'm saying right now, if you'll write this down, Genesis 12 through 23. It lays out everything, uh, pretty much everything I'm about to talk about is just laid out because um, I don't have enough time to read that much scripture. Scripture. And then you can also look at Hebrews 11. It gives you 12 verses of Abraham and Sarah, um, more than any other hall of faith. So you know that's the hall of faith, right? Hebrews 11. It's the faith heroes. More verses than anybody. 12 verses dedicated to those two on the hall of faith. But Genesis 12 and 1 says, Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed." So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. <laughs> A couple things going on here. You notice the obedience, right? The obedience immediately. The Lord spoke, Abraham moved. I want to encourage us and I want to challenge us. That's the place we've got to get to. If you're to a place where you see something, the Lord's asking you to do something right now, Man, you got to be quick to obey. Just like Abraham, he moved, man. Do you think, how, how crazy do you think his family thought he was? How crazy do you think his neighbors thought he was? He left Ur, and God told him to go to Canaan land. He said, pack up all your belongings. Pack it up, son. You're 75 years old. How many of you guys, I talk about our pastor all the time. He's at retirement age, but man, he's just getting started. Think about that. Abraham was 75 years old. So I'm going to speak to some generations in here. It's time to get started. It's time to get started. He was 75 years old. The Lord said, get up, my man. Pack your stuff. Leave your family. We're going for a ride. And he sent him to Canaan land. And that's where he said that, you know, this is where your descendants are going to be blessed. 
But I want you to see he was so quick to obey. The Lord spoke and he moved. And then I also want you to notice that 75 years old, there are no excuses and not being obedient. No excuses and not being obedient. The Lord will provide every step of the way. And I think that's why it's so important. If you'll read over Abraham's life, this started his journey. So the other thing I want you to notice is when this promise was given, when this uh, request was made by the Lord for him to get moving, that first act of obedience started this ripple effect in Abraham's life. And so then we go to the second. The second, uh, I guess, part of Abraham's life I want to to focus on because he started the obedience track. And you'll read along the ways there was other things that things he had to be obedient in and things that happened. And you're also going to read in there, there's things that he misstepped on. There was an act of disobedience in there as well. So I just want to encourage you again, there is no condemnation. You miss it. You quick, you're quick to repent. You look back at the Lord and say, let's go, Lord. Let's do it. I'm ready. I'm sorry. I missed it. We're moving on. I'm under the blood of Jesus right now. There is no condemnation, and I'm moving on. I'm not going to be held stagnant in this point where I do not produce for your kingdom. I am going to get up. I'm going to dust myself off, and I'm going to move. So you'll see the next part of Abraham's life. Then the Lord comes to him, and he tells him. He said, you're going to have a son. His name's Isaac. And I'm going to give you descendants. They're as many as the seashore, the sand on the seashore. As many as the stars in the sky. He was 100 years old. Sarah was 90 years old. No excuses. With God, all things are possible. Because I know some of us are sitting here and we're looking at it going, yeah, that's Bible, that's scripture. That's not real life. It is real life. It is real life. The word is real. But only if you will receive the word as your reality. Do you know how many times I've been told I live in a fantasy land? That I don't live in reality. You're right. I live in the word. I live in the word. You're right. And it's done well by me so far. I think I've got a pretty good life. And it's just going to keep getting better. Praise the Lord. But he promised him this promise that it was just impossible. But I wanted to, I wanted to just note this is that the Lord didn't give him everything at the beginning. The Lord didn't say through this step of obedience, I'm on da-da-da-da-da-da-da. He didn't. He had to see if Abraham was going to take that first step. Because he had to see. So trust me, I know the Lord knows the end from the beginning. I know that. But he had to get, let him take the first step. Because then it starts this process to where you start seeing, I take the first step. I start walking in the blessing. The things of God start becoming real to me. I just have to take the first step. So you have to see that. And then you keep walking. And you keep walking. And you get another word from the Lord. And you get more direction from the Lord. And then you're obedient to that. And more blessing. 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 And then you keep taking the walks of obedience. And then I want to talk about this last one. He had his promised son, Isaac. His promised son. He, he was the promise that God made him that was impossible. And then the Lord turns around. And he says, I want you to offer Isaac up for a sacrifice. And I was talking about this with Sister Tammy. I don't know. It's been probably a month, two months ago. I'm just like, man, because I'm a father of a son who in the year 2019, pastor looked at me. He said, what do you want for 2020? What's on your vision list? What's your plan? I said, I want a son. 
I want a little baby boy. And can I tell you about December uh, 2020, I have a little baby boy named Abel. And that's A-B-L-E. And I just say that because I want to make sure everybody understands because God is able. Where am I going, Lord? I'm sorry. I got off track there. Uh, but no, he so we offered up Isaac. The Lord asked him to offer up Isaac. And it was the promise. But again, it was another step of obedience. And in that moment, the ram in the bush appeared. He was committed. He was going to do it. And we learn in Hebrews. And so I was talking about it with Sister uh, Tammy, and she brought this to my remembrance about in Hebrews 11 when it says that Abraham trusted God so much. He trusted the word that he had received so much that he said, even if the Lord lets me sacrifice my child, I know the Lord is good enough to raise him back from the dead. That's an important point when you're walking in obedience because there's going to be things required of you. There's going to be things that God tells you. There's going to be things that you see in the word that you need to be obedient to that you might really want to question. But, man, I'm telling you, that communion piece I'm talking to, if you spend enough time with the Lord and you begin to trust him in the way that Abraham trusts him, he staggered not. He staggered not. He believed God so much. He said, even if you let me kill him, God, You'll raise him from the dead because you gave me a promise. You told me he was the promised one that through Isaac, there was going to be more descendants to come. He is the father of all of them that believe. I think that's Romans four. He is the father of all them that believe. And it's through this act of obedience that he started. He was quick to obey in Genesis 12, that very first verse. He did not question the Lord. And it started this faith walk, this walk of obedience. And I say all that. Music team, Nick, you ready? I say all that. I'm going to close here. Because there's number five. And this takes me to this point. As you can see with Abraham, it's a generational effect. Your obedience will have a generational effect. Melanie, can you throw uh, Romans 5? 19 through 21. I'm going to read that and then we're going to close out. Romans 5:19 says, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Hallelujah. 21 says that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto, unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. Your obedience this morning? Yes, the blessing is nice. Yes, I believe in the blessing. We are heirs according to the promise when we're in Christ Jesus. But I'm just going to say to you this morning, the Lord is moving on hearts this morning. Your obedience is not about you. Your obedience is not about you. The Lord is looking for us in the earth who will partner with him because there is a world out there that is lost, that is so twisted, that is so deceived by the enemy. 
And the Lord is looking for willing and obedient. And yes, he gives you a promise that says you're going to eat the good of the land while you do this. But I need your obedience because the harvest is ripe and the laborers are few. We are in the end times. I don't think anyone sitting under my sound and my voice cannot look out of what's going on and all the prophecy that's been fulfilled in the Bible. We are in the end times. And I'm not saying maybe I won't see Jesus come back. I'm believing it. Lord Jesus, come. I, I, I want that trip out of here. I want to be on the first ticket. Take me. Let's go. Let's go, Lord. But your obedience is not about you this morning. That step that the Lord is dealing with you this morning, it's not about you. He's trying to get to somebody else right now. And don't get me wrong. He loves you. He cares for you. And he wants to bless you. And he wants to give you the best life. Because that's how good of a father is. He wants the best for his children. But I just present to you this morning. There's somebody waiting on a step of obedience. And if you choose not to do it, Lord, the Lord's will will be accomplished. He'll just go and do it through somebody else who will be obedient. But man, who wants to partner with the Lord this morning? Who wants to partner with the Lord this morning? Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. So I think the Lord is dealing with somebody, somebody's, I'll just say it that way. The obedience of the heart. I just ask you, what's your Isaac this morning? What is that impossible thing that the Lord is asking you to do this morning? What is he Given you instruction. What is instruction that you've seen in the word that you've been too scared to act on or you did not see a way to accomplish it? And so you've drawn back. I think we all have those moments. I know I'm thinking of one right now. The Lord, as I've preached this, he has revealed to me something that I did not do that he told me to do. And I'm going to go back and correct it. Lord, I repent right now. I repent right now, Father, and I will go back and correct that. But I think the Lord is moving in this place. So what's your Isaac this morning? And for some of y'all, it might just be, hey, that little nudge at 4.30 in the morning, 5 in the morning. He's just trying to get you to wake up and spend some time with him in the morning. That might be your first step of obedience. That might be that first step of Abraham where it causes this ripple effect of blessing in your life. But then also it starts branching out to others. Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe somebody's sitting under the sound of my voice right now. There's somebody the Lord has brought to your heart and said, I asked you to forgive them. You must forgive them. Maybe it's somebody he's prompted you to reach out to. He's, they've been on your heart. Maybe, maybe you've got good relationship with them and you just haven't called them. But maybe that phone call is just an obedience factor or an obedience step that starts a ripple effect for eternity. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed. Father, we love you this morning. Lord, we say search us. Lord, those things that you need to bring to our remembrance right now, Father. Lord, we do not receive condemnation in this moment, Lord. But we do want to humble ourselves enough to say, Lord, show me. Show me where I need to go back and be obedient this morning, Lord. Lord, we commit ourselves to you this morning. Lord, you have met this house 
in supernatural ways. We have seen miracles. We have seen you move. We have testimonies of people being set free. The captives have been set free. People are removed from bondage under what you're doing at this house, Lord. But we come to you as a people this morning, Father, saying, Lord, here we are. Send us, Lord. And if there's a place that we need to go back to, we need to revisit and we need to correct before you, Lord. Lord, we commit ourselves to that right now. We commit ourselves to that right now. We forgive those who have hurt us. Lord, we will take extra time in your word if that's what you want us to do. Lord, we will meet you in prayer if that's what you want us to do, Lord. Lord, we will pick up phones and call. And Lord... If there's a more giant step right now, Father, the impossible step that somebody is facing, Lord, they're looking around, Father, and they don't know how you're going to do it in their life, Father. Lord, just by faith, I release my faith for them right now, Father. Step in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Father, we love you. Lord, this is all about you. We, we, We are submitting to your will, Father. Not our will, Father, but your will, Father. Your will be done in this earth, Lord. And Lord, we just open up ourselves to you right now, God, to say, use us, send us, Lord. We open our hearts to you right now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. You know, the Lord has greater. He always does. Your obedience is about somebody else. But man, I'm telling you, through your act of obedience, your body will be healed. Your finances will be blessed. You will eat the good of the land. And you know, Brother Jason's already talked about it. In a time where the world is so stressed out over money, over what's going on, they're feeding on the news and they're just, everything is just so chaotic. But to his children, you know, we have the ability to walk through all this in the abundance of his peace, a a peace that surpasses our understanding, a joy unspeakable. That's what we have. It's the most attractive thing that we have. And I'm telling you what, if you'll be obedient right there, if you'll be obedient when you walk every day, out every day, and Brother Jason's already said it, and it's funny. But it does make me laugh that somebody will call themselves a believer, but then you look at them and they got the biggest scowl on their face. They got the biggest frown on their face. Man, the joy should just be all over us because it's so attractive. It's so attractive. The Lord will use you in that moment. Somebody will look at you and go, what is different about them? What do they have that I don't have? And I know I've got to close, but I feel like the Lord's leading me here, so I'm going to say it really quick. I had an old uh, general manager partner when I was in... um, Greensboro, North Carolina. I was the retail manager. He was the general manager of the restaurant. And his name was Brian. And uh, just by the way I carried myself, the light that the Lord was exposing through me, he said those exact words for me. He said, what do you have that I don't have? He found the Lord. He started watching videos on YouTube. And he got saved. Praise the Lord. And I say all that just to say your biggest ministry, your biggest step of obedience is just to walk out and be a child of God. Let the
the Lord. See that he is good. Let the joy radiate out of you. Let the peace just be there. Let your words be the words of God. That is the biggest ministry any of us will have. And I promise you, you'll lead people to the Lord that way. Because that GM, I didn't get to sit there and pray with him and lead him to the Lord. But it happened through a process. And that was just me living my life wanting to please the Lord. So I say that today. Just have a heart to please the Lord. Don't get beat up around the obedience thing. You miss it, repent, move on. The Lord is gracious to forgive. He always is. So repent, move on. But the heart that we need to have is, Lord, I just want to please you. Do I have a heart to want to please the Lord today? So as you walk out of this building today, think about that. Anything that you're looking at today, is this pleasing to you, Lord? Is this pleasing to you? What is going on in my life right here? What I'm doing right now, is it pleasing to you? Because if it's not, then we need to figure out what 